Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. I'm alongside, as usual, my dad, Chris Baker, and this is what we have on the menu for you guys today. We'll talk about how it's been a year. The podcast is celebrating its one-year anniversary today. We'll talk about how the Bo Show Tour stopped in L.A., and there's still one night to catch that. We'll talk about the plethora of pitching depth the Blue Jays apparently have in their system, unless we're too quick to be judging. And the Astros reporter debacle. Chris, how are you today? I'm great. Happy one-year anniversary of the podcast, Dylan. Thank you very much, and the same to you. And if you're listening on Anchor, you heard the birthday song is the intro today. 211's Baseball Talk turns <laughs> one. It was on this day, uh, August 22nd, 2018, that we released our first episode. We originally released our episodes on Wednesdays. This ended up working out now that, we're, now that we released them on Thursdays. Now, I know what you're thinking. Shouldn't it be episode 52? Well, with the weeks that we've taken off, such as Christmas, when I was in Chicago and such, that have caused a slight delay in episodes. Uh, and if you've been listening since day one, you'll remember that we took a break from making episodes between episode two on August 29th and the managerial special on o- October 29th, coincidentally exactly two months after our previous episode, which has led us to episode 40, today's episode. It's been a crazy year. It's been a great year. So much growth in the podcast. So many consistent listeners that enjoy each one of our episodes. So I ask you this, what has your favorite podcast moment been so far? Well, all the guests... I mean, thank you to all of our guests from this whole year. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's probably too many to count now at this point, but I mean, obviously, some big names have joined this podcast: Casey Stern, uh, Scott MacArthur, you know, um, Dan Schulman, Mike Wilner, and of course, uh, the biggest of all, uh, you. You are <laughs> our, our biggest guest. <laughs> you. You've been a part of every single episode so congratulations on being the most frequent guest of 211's baseball talk thank you thank you they they enjoy having me back i guess uh but yeah it's been it's been a great year and obviously some of our best moments have been with the guests and it started off even with brent wales a former urbana university pitcher and he's he's now the london majors pitching coach he was our first very first guest on january 4th of this year and he was great on the podcast we enjoyed having him we enjoyed having all of our guests casey stern who ended up using one of the questions that I asked him on his show inside pitch. Uh, Mike Wilner was great in spring training. Scott MacArthur was phenomenal in both of our uh, interviews with him, both the times that he sat down with me to talk baseball on the podcast. And he's been great to me, great to us. He's been phenomenal. And Dan Schulman, probably one of the bigger names that we've had on the podcast so far and how he's sort of stayed in touch as well. He's been great. And Scott MacArthur have been great. I mean, the, all the guests have been phenomenal. So a lot of cool moments have taken place in the last year. And we thank you all very much for tuning in to what we've had to, to tell you uh, and to show you on the podcast. So let's get right into baseball-related things. Uh, and Blue Jays fans are quick to find a new show to binge, as when the Stroh show left, the focus immediately shifted to the Bo show and is not disappointed so far. Did you like that? I did. I did. And I liked the Bo show. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, this team's been 20 billion times better since uh, – Stroman left. Well, yeah. I don't know I mean, what Stroman had to do with any of that. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've talked about how it's been radio silence from former players of his, former teammates of his, on uh, on his trade, which I think speaks volumes to uh, what kind of what the environment was probably like with him in it. But the team has been phenomenal since, and with Bo Bichette arriving, uh, you know, it's just been been fun to watch. I mean, he's setting records here, there, and everywhere, and you know, batting over well over three hundred, and and just uh, you know, bringing the fans back, and it's nice to see that. Yeah, for sure. And Bo is very aggressive and counts. He always gives you a good at bat when he's the leadoff man, which he has not 
not been since his first game in the big leagues when he hit sixth. Um, he's been great uh, in a Blue Jays uniform so far. He's been great in the big league. Since Bo's call-up, the Blue Jays are 12-10, and 10, and the losses are partially due to poor pitching performances, such as the 16-3 loss to the Dodgers on Tuesday night. And it seems that when the stage grows, such as playing good teams, for example, Tampa Bay, the Yankees, the Dodgers, and playing in some of the biggest markets, Bo steps up. My question to you is how often do you tend to see that in a young player, and how big is that going to be when the Jays contend again? Rarely. I mean, you see, you see that on a very rare basis with young players. Usually they'll dominate, you know, the lower markets and, and struggle a little bit in some of those, those higher market, higher playoff race teams. And you're not seeing that with Bo, which is extremely exciting. And, and I think what's really exciting about seeing this with Bo uh, against the Dodgers, against pitchers like Kershaw that hitting two dinkers off of him, <laughs> um, you know, is that it's going to teach the Biggios and the Guerreros how to do that too. It's going to make them feel more comfortable to relax in counts, uh, to, to take the pitches that aren't the ones they're going to hit and, and to hit the ones that they are. And, and, you know, they're going to learn from Bo doing that, and they're going to see that a young player can actually hit some of the elite pitching in major leagues right out of the gate. I think it's great to see. I think uh, it's very exciting. Jays fans should be very excited. You can't win championships with one player, but you can certainly start to build toward them. And, and I think that, uh, that this is showing that. I think, you know, having Bo lead off and, and being so good so far it has been excellent. And, you know, to see this team with the pitching being horrendous and a little suspect at, at times um, <laughs> at best, that, to be 12 and 10 in that period, that's pretty good. That shows the offense has really stepped up with these new kids in it, and uh, and it's really really exciting. Yeah, for sure. And you know, with the tr- with a rotation with guys like Trent Thornton, Jacob Wagaspak, Thomas Pannone, and Wagaspak's been good lately. But uh, guys, Thomas Pannone, Sean Reed Foley, who was just sent down yesterday, you're not going to win very many games. Sometimes your offense just isn't there, and you need the pitching to help you win the ball game, like like we saw against Seattle on Sunday when the Jays lost one or sorry, seven, nothing. And then the Sunday prior to that one against the Yankees, when the Jays lost one, nothing, the offense just isn't there on those days. And that's when you need pitching to be there. And in that Yankee game, Trent Thornton was good. So was the bullpen, but in that Seattle game, not no one was really good, really. So if you take a look at that game, seven runs and losing seven, nothing is not a great performance for any team. Doesn't matter who you are, whether you're contending or not, it just wasn't a very good game. And with, Pitchers in your rotation like Pannone, Reed Foley, and Waggispack, Trent Thornton too, guys that are still growing, you're not going to have very many great outings from starting pitchers. Um, but you were talking about how Bo is going to help Guerrero and Biggio uh, grow a little bit as players and show them they can hit these big arms. Are you saying that, that these young kids can actually learn from each other as well? Yeah, absolutely they can. Absolutely, they can. I mean, they're not all at the same levels of, of skill, and they're, they're also not all at the same levels of comfort in the major leagues. And I think that you're going to get more comfortable when you, when you do see the Bo Bichettes hitting these elite pitchers because they're going to learn from them. They're going to say, what did you do there to, to hit that home run off of, a, off of a Kershaw? And while they, they may not be able to repeat it right away, it's, it's something they can learn from and to know. It's just confidence boosting, too, to know that somebody your age, somebody your experience level can hit this pitcher. That means I can, too. 
And, and I think that's where it really helps them out. Yeah, for sure. And you know what a prime example of that is the fact that Bobashev is so aggressive early on and counts. And you, I saw, I don't know if you were watching the Monday or Tuesday night game, game one of the series against the Dodgers on Sportsnet. They put up a graphic that showed um, how batters are faring against Clayton Kershaw on the first pitch of the at-bat and then the rest of the pitches. And on the first pitch, batters were hitting over 300 against Kershaw. But on anything after that, they were hitting a buck 90 or something like that, something crazy like that. Kershaw is a very good pitcher, but if you jump on that first pitch, you tend to have success against him. And Bo took the first pitch because it was a ball, but he went right after the second pitch. He is very aggressive in counts. And do you think, now shifting a little bit quickly to a, a broader sense of the MLB, do you think that uh, hitters are actually hurting themselves by being less aggressive in counts, which they clearly have been uh, as the years have gone by? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. You know, it's a new way of, of hitting and, and it's a new way of, it's a new wave of experienced players coming up from the minor leagues. I, I think it does affect them to not be as aggressive, but, uh, it doesn't mean though that, that they can't learn that at the major league level. And I think they will. I think you'll see a couple of players to kind of take that and, uh, and run with it. And, you know, it, it's in the old days, it always worked. Yeah, taking a look at the stats that uh, that you just shared about Clayton Kershaw and, and just that first pitch, you know, and how, how easy, not easy it is to hit. Nobody's easy in baseball. Nothing is easy in major leagues. But um, but at the same time, you know, the fact that, that there's better results from early pitches in the account, you know, I think players will realize that. I think hitting coaches will realize that. And I think you'll find that, uh, that that trend of not being as aggressive in the count might uh, might actually change. Yeah, and I think it should because personally, I mean, I know that I play in Little League Baseball and it's definitely nothing compared to, uh, compared to the major leagues, but I like to be aggressive in counts. I feel like you get one of your better pitches on the first or second pitch of an at-bat because they're trying to, pitches are trying to get ahead of you in counts. So players should be more aggressive uh, in counts just because – they can usually get a fastball that's grooved for them right down the middle and they can hit it well. So I think that the trend should change and more hitters should be more aggressive in, in counts and maybe that'll lead to a more exciting, that'll attract more fans, more exciting pl- way of playing the game because hitters will be ready to hit that first pitch. But I mean, I don't know because then you, you'll see pitchers change up what they throw on the first pitch and throw on the first pitch slider, a first pitch cutter that you're not expecting, right? So everything can change, but right now it seems that the first pitch is the pitch to swing at uh, if you want to have success. And going back to the second part of my question earlier, how big is Bo's ability to step up when you're in a big game or against a big against a really good team or in a big market? How big is that going to be for the Blue Jays when they contend again? Well, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge, especially from the leadoff spot. You know, he's going to be that uh, that that spike plug that that kind of you know, ignites the offense and, and gets them going early in a game. I think you're going to see a tremendous amount of leadoff home runs from Bo just with his wild and aggressive swinging. And, uh, and, and I think that's great. I think that's exciting. I think it'll ignite the offense. And when the winning years come, uh, this is going to be huge for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's going to be huge for the fan base as far as excitement. And, uh, you know, I mean, Blue Jays fans should be extremely excited about what's coming from both Bo Bichette and the core from the future. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's also, I completely agree with you. I think that's going to be huge for them. And I think that Bo's going to hit a ton of leadoff home runs if he stays in that leadoff spot. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if down the road, he maybe starts hitting third on occasion as well. If, 
if a Vladdy goes down or if a Guriel goes down and they have another speedster like a forest wall in the lineup at that time, maybe a Sebo hit th- hit third as well, but he's been really, really great in the leadoff spot. And right now I don't see any reason why you want to move him. And I think he's going to be great for the Blue Jays down the road when they do contend. And speaking of a contending team that's won their fair share of things in the past couple of years, yesterday the Detroit Tigers, they're not the contending team as they have the worst record in baseball. We're in Houston taking on the Astros. And the Astros are certainly contending this year. They are well ahead of the Oakland A's in the American League West. And Justin Verlander was facing his former team and facing Miguel Cabrera for the first time. And quickly, how iconic of teammates were Justin Verlander and Miguel Cabrera when they were on the same team? Well, huge, huge. I mean, they made that Tigers team for generations, and um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if the Tigers can ever repeat that because it's – I don't know. I mean, I don't see anybody on that team or anybody coming in their system that can ever duplicate that, but, uh, but that, was, that was huge for them over those years. Yeah, for sure. And Verlander dominated in his start against the Tigers – uh, yesterday, throwing a complete game, allowing just two solo home runs. The problem there is that the Astros only scored one run. So the Tigers won, and then came the problem. The Detroit Free Press sent Anthony French to cover the series, and there's some history there. French and Verlander don't necessarily like each other. Um, and an example of this was post-game, when immediately after the Tigers won, French tweeted, the Tigers beat Justin Verlander again. They continue to win the trade. That, to me, is pure stupidity. <laughs> that is ridiculous. And, he, and I would normally assume that someone who says that is joking. If, if an account on Instagram posts something like that saying the Tigers won the trade, I understand that's a joke. It's, it's, it's a meme. You can, make, you can add a picture to it. It, it. it makes it funny. But Anthony French just simply does not like uh, Justin Verlander. So I took that as serious. I think Verlander did too, and most of the Astros players did. That's pure stupidity. Since the Astros have won the deal, and it's not even close. The Astros series with Verlander and one of the Tigers won. They fall into the basement of not only the American League, not only the AL Central, but the entire MLB. Um, so it's not at all close into, as to who won that trade. And Verlander and the Astros told the reporter, being Anthony French, that if he came down to the clubhouse post-game, Verlander wouldn't speak to a single reporter. Apparently, Verlander had tried reaching out to the publication before the series to let them know that he did not want to speak to Anthony French, he did not want to talk to anyone associated with him, and he would not talk to any reporter if French came down to the clubhouse, and he did not do this. He did not go down to the clubhouse just because the Astros had told him not to. Um, But the Detroit Free Press claims that no such thing ever happened. That is all we know. We also know that the Detroit Free Press is going to file a protest against the MLB and the Houston Astros. And it's a reportedly a violation of the MLB's collective bargaining agreement and the baseball, something to do with the baseball writers association of America. But that's all we know from what we do though, who to you is in the right here. If anyone. Well, it sounds to me like Detroit's got their own Steve Simmons from the Toronto sun. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, he's a, just, just obviously a troll just like Simmons and, and I mean, I, I, I think it's way overblown. I mean, this is just ridiculous. But, um, you know, he's wrong, obviously. I mean, but come on. The guy is just obviously probably wrong about everything he writes, like Simmons, right? So, like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's 
silly that that this is even happening in Detroit. But I mean, what kind what kind of storylines do they really have going on right now again with the Tigers, right? So, you know, yay, we've got a controversy in baseball somewhere about some writer in Detroit. But uh, you know, it's it's obvious that the that the Tigers did not win that trade, and and the only way it even becomes an even baseball trade is years from now if the Tigers end up as a result of some of the, the pieces in that trade becoming good. Um, but I mean, for right now, the Astros have won that trade fair for, for far and away won that trade. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I mean, he's, he's being a little bit ridiculous and I, I don't quite understand it, but um, I'm trying to find the numbers on some of the guys that the uh, Tigers got in return on the deal. But I mean, if I'm a player like Justin Verlander and uh and I hear that some idiot is going around saying the things that uh, French is saying, then, then I would be mad too. I'd be frustrated. I wouldn't want him to come talk to me after a game, especially after a loss. So it didn't help that it, the Astros ended up losing the game. And especially after um, Justin Verlander had such a good outing where he went the full nine innings, only allowing two runs. So he he would have made me mad as well as a player, and I wouldn't have wanted to speak to him. So I think I can totally side with – sorry, I've been calling him Anthony French this entire time. It's Anthony Fenich or Fenick. Uh, that is my mistake. Apologies to him. But I can completely side with Verlander here um, on on that deal because I think, it's, I think it's ridiculous that he would say something like that. And if you're a reporter and you want to have – uh, associations of players, you want to be able to talk to these players. You cannot go out or go around and s- saying things like this, especially to a guy who did so much for the city of Detroit, so much for that organization. You can't go around parading yourself saying the Tigers beat Justin Verlander again. They continue to win this trade. No, that's ridiculous. You can't just go around <laughs> saying that. And no player is going to yeah. want to talk to you from uh, the Tigers or anywhere else. If you continue to say this stuff and looking at the guys that the, uh, that the Tigers got in this deal, Daz Cameron and Franklin Perez. Perez ranks sixth uh, on the Tigers' top 30. Cameron is eighth, so they're not bad players. And the other player is Jake Rogers. I'm trying to find him right now. He's clearly not in their top 10. He is not in their top 30. So he's not really a big prospect, but Cameron is, and so is Perez. So these guys could be impact guys, but there's no, there's no for sure there. You can't say for sure that these guys are going to help the Tigers win a World Series down the road when Berlander went out and did that. So for Fennec to come out and say what he did, I think that's ridiculous. And I can completely understand where Justin Berlander is coming from, even though it could potentially be a violation of a bunch of things. I wouldn't want to talk to this guy either. Moving on to more pitchers. This week was a good week for the Blue Jays' prospects in AAA, in AAA Buffalo. It started Monday night when prospect TJ Zoik threw a no-hitter for AAA Buffalo, only walking a batter and hitting a batter. And shout-out to Jonathan Davis, who saved that no-hitter with an incredible catch in center field. The next day, number one pitching prospect of the Blue Jays' organization, Nate Pearson, made his AAA debut and threw seven scoreless innings. And yesterday, Anthony Kay said, I can do that too, and threw six scoreless innings. How important was that to see for the restless Blue Jays fans and for the front office. Uh, Extremely important because, you know, everybody's been talking about the Blue Jays not having any pitching depth. 
And, uh, and, you know, and so it's extremely important to see the young depth that they've acquired very recently. It seems like for the most part, except for Zoic, they're, they're all very recent acquisitions that are doing very, very well. I mean, I know Pearson isn't that recent, I guess, either. But, um, but I mean, everybody that we would have expected to do well is doing well. And then three or four others are, are coming out of the woodwork and, and doing very well themselves. You know, you heard all the all the venom of over K and over others, uh, and and look what they're doing. I mean, how do you complain about that? And and obviously, congratulations to Zoic on his no hitter. I mean, nobody's thrown a no hitter in this organization, I think, since they and Steve. no one had thrown one in the Buffalo yeah. Bisons organization since Bartolo Colon in the '90s. So that's that's <laughs> a pretty elite company for TJ Zoic. But continue, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it is, and and so. You know, good for him, and, you know, it's not the major leagues, but at the same time, that is a big achievement at any level, let alone the major leagues, and and it gives you hope for this pitching depth. The one problem is that it's not here, and and so while management can be excited, fans can be excited, there's still a bit of a delay because we, we likely will see some of these guys in the rotation early next year, uh, on maybe some late this year, but... Uh, but again, I mean, you know, it would be nice to see some of these guys come up and, and get their major league debuts out of the way. But at the same time, very exciting overall uh, to see that this pitching depth is performing for the Blue Yeah, Jays. for sure. And you mentioned that we won't see these guys for a long time or for, for a while. I agree with you. And the fact that they're not in the big leagues right now is making some other fans a little angry because they're still going on and saying the fans that don't look into the prospects and don't go around trying to find things on Blue Jays pitching prospects that we have in the system. I know Alec Manoa had a rocky outing last time, but he's been great in Vancouver. He's still a couple of years away, but he should get up in that system very quickly if he is uh, if he's going to meet his expectations, which I think he will. Um, so these guys that we expect to be performing well, as you mentioned, are doing really well. Nate Pearson, TJ Zoic, these guys are doing really well. And guys like Simeon Woods Richardson and Anthony Kay, the two guys that we got in the Marcus Stroman deal, that everyone was so upset about, so mad about, saying, oh my gosh, we could have gotten so much more for Marcus Stroman. And I would agree with you if you made that point about the Aaron Sanchez deal. No one really seems to be talking about that. No one really seemed to be talking about that. They all went after Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson in the Marcus Stroman deal, which is absolutely ridiculous because those guys had so much potential. And it seems that ever since Kay came over to the Blue Jays, he's been dominating in Buffalo. He had one rocky first outing. I believe he allowed three runs over five innings. But ever since, he's been really solid, and he went six scoreless innings uh, last night. So I ask you this. You talked about how we're not going to see these guys in the big leagues right away, and we might see them early next year. Who are we most likely to see in the big leagues first? Zoik, Kay, or Pearson? I think that's a really tough call. I think with the way they're protecting Pearson's arm, I think he'd be the first one to, I would say he is not coming this year. Um, I think he was given the promotion to make him feel better about, about his year because, of course, the Buffalo season is almost over. Um, I could see Zoic coming up. I could see Kay coming up. Probably Kay being the most likely one. Um, but now with Zoic having thrown a no-hitter, I could be completely off base there. But, um, but my guess is they're not going to choose that pitcher out of one outing, and it's possible that both come up. And it's possible that all three come up. You never know. But um, so what I you're saying come is up at the same time. there are a lot of possibilities. There are a lot of possibilities. Uh, and what I think is also Ross Atkins is very hard to predict. And 
Um, you know, I think that's where where we don't really know who it will be, but it will definitely be, I'm going to say two of those three and will be the first and they may come together. Yeah. And I think those, the most likely to be those two are going to be TJ Zoik and Anthony can keep in mind. Uh, none of these guys are actually on the 40 man roster, but I can see Zoik or K being called up to the big leagues. I think it's a really tough call between those two, just, just because they're both nearly big league ready. And I can see that I can see the blue Jays front office giving Pearson Another couple of months in Buffalo, including August. So August, April, and May maybe maybe comes up in June of next year. Maybe comes up in May. We'll have to see. But I can see them giving a little more, giving him a little more time to um, fine tune his stuff in Buffalo. So I can see Zoic and K coming up together. Uh, but I don't see Pearson coming up for a while. I think he comes up mid May of next year potentially. So we thank you all very much for tuning in to episode forty of Two Elevens Baseball Talk, and for tuning in to all of our previous episodes. Over the past year, it's 41 total, including the managerial special. But we thank you all very much for listening to every single one of those. Thank you to all of our all of our guests that we've had over the past year. And we hope to have so many more. This has been episode 40 of 211's Baseball Talk, and we'll see you all next week.